0: Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your Genesei quoi, to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Close to each other. Hey, good afternoon. Devo here with my cohort in crime, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. So we just did a four and a half hour drive back from one studio to the next. So we're a little bit frantic today trying to prepare for a fantastic guest that... I've had on the schedule, I think we've had Stephanie got him on at least longer than six months ago. So,
1: so are you feeling a little stressed?
0: I'm feeling a little stressed because so
1: this is going to work out really good. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so maybe he can do some real Thank
1: life you universe. The timing is perfect.
0: You <laughs> can do a real life crisis intervention on <gasps> us today. Good thing I have hands because I've memorized his five tips and he uses an analogy to uh, your hand, the fingers. And I love the middle one because it's like you, the action would is give it the finger. So I really like that. So We're going to talk about that. Although his co-author did not want him to use that. So we're going to talk about that as well and how he dealt with that rejection and ensuing crisis. So, <laughs> all right. So anyhow, with, without further ado, I have Dr. Chell. Am I saying that correctly? Dr. Chell? Okay. Dr. Chell. That's how you say it correctly. Dr. Chell Hovick. And he is the co-author of a fantastic book that I've now finished reading one and a half times, can I say that? Mm-hmm. And then you and I listened to the audiobook for the last five hours driving in the car, and it is a it's a fantastic read. And we're going to bring him in in a second and have him talk a little bit more about it. But um, it's it's really a he's taken a psychosemantic, neurologic brain stuff that goes on in our bodies, the fight or flight, cortisol, adrenaline, all those different things that happen when we face stress. And I one thing I one big thing that I learned about the book is that our body doesn't differentiate between the different types of stress. It's either all or nothing. You either get up and fight the bear, or you get up and deal with your divorce or whatever it is. And I didn't realize that, and it makes perfect sense because no matter what the stressor is, our bodies have a fight or flight response mm-hmm. to it. And, and that can either hurt us or it can help us depending upon how we intrinsically deal with that. So he's gonna talk a little bit about that, but- I like
1: how he's talking about bears a lot in this book because you're always talking about if you could wrestle a bear. So you perfectly understood it then.
0: So now you finally get to ask that question. It goes deeper
1: than what it sounded like when you were saying. Now I realize it's a lot deeper.
0: So now you get to actually ask that question to him see if I could take a bear and see what he says. So anyhow, just to continue in his fantastic introduction, the book centers around our personal motivation to gain insight into our own thoughts, which I love. And, you know, we can kind of become our own worst enemies and help us to sort of achieve a better daily functioning life in in how we deal with stress, but proactively being able to intuitively recognize it as it starts to strike us. So whether it's dealing with divorce or whether it's dealing with a bear attack, we're better prepared to handle that. Dr. Hovig, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining us.
2: Great to be with you.
0: So you're a clinical, you're a you're a clinical neuropsychologist with a PhD in developmental disorders, which by and large just translates into a hell of a lot smarter than we are. Um, you you hail from Norway. Um, one one little thing, I was doing some uh behind the scenes research and development on you, and I, I found out you were a the Norwegian pole vaulting national champion. Is that what I think I saw oh. somewhere?
2: That was my that was my dad.
0: Oh, okay, so it was your father. Yeah. I was like I never yeah. saw that in any of your bios. You got to drop no. that if that's real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am a golfer. I've been in the in the Norwegian uh, PGA, so that's that's my claim to fame, but uh, yeah, not a very good golfer, but uh, I trained trained a lot of good golfers.
0: That's brilliant. I yeah, read that mm. too. So you've co-authored this book with Dr. Jennifer Love, and I've actually communicated with her on Instagram, um, but I I wanted to specifically talk to you because you had you and I had first engaged, and it just uh, it's hard to do two guests simultaneously because then you don't get, to get enough talking points. It's enough as it is that I still all love Lisa's thunder. So we thought we'd just bring you on and have a conversation around this book that you've written, When Crisis Strikes. It's a fantastic read. And just a little bit hear a little bit, some of the the ways that you got into the space that you are, the neuropsychology, the clinical disorders, the work that you're doing, and, and the impetus for writing this book. So share us a little bit about Basically that.
1: Basically the perfect timing behind this book. It could mm. not have come out at a better time. <laughs> so what do you know? How, how do you know to do that?
2: Well, that was just 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 uh, serendipity, really, just a coincidence, because we started this project in back in 2018, and really the the impetus to it was um really our discussions uh of course Jen, uh, Dr. Love is a is a medical doctor she has that that kind of biological uh perspective on things and and my background is from you know psychology so a little different uh b- background and we were talking about um we have a lot of clients who have just experienced really bad breakups really serious problems with conflicts and uh, court cases and and all the all the drama that can come through that and we were trying to think about well how what how do we work with our patients to help people get through those types of conflicts um and then that kind of blossomed into well these are when we started finding finding these principles that we use both of us in our practices we really found a way that we thought maybe could be used for, more more general crises and other types of problems. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then we developed these more formalized five steps and found that we could use them for many types of crises that people can, can experience. So that's a little bit of the background.
0: So I, I wanna dive into those five tips that you talk mm. about in the book and I, we, we're just going to have a sort of a rather didactic conversation around them. So if I get carried away, bring me back in. But okay. I love the opening of the book. You you talked about people, the people who read this book are not people who are driving or riding their unicorn to work on the Los Angeles freeway. I believe I that was you or Dr. Love who said that. It sounds like she's a, mm. a Californian <laughs> like me. So I, I, love, a
2: Californian. That. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that <laughs> reference and I, I thought it really appropriate for the situation because it's funny, as humans, it seems like we're more reactive than proactive when it comes to dealing with our own personal health or whether it's our physical health or our diet or our emotional health, or in this case, our mental health. Why is that?
2: i think I think we're all quite busy, you know, we're busy doing doing the things that we like to do that we want to do, trying to make a living, trying to get an education, trying to you know learn things, get you know more friends. We're busy. And uh, then, you know, one day we may be, uh well, a little of the background of the book is that usually, you know, as one gets a little older, like in, you know, in, in middle age, then there's these crises that are inevitable. Um, they come up or in your 40s or 50s, especially then. I mean, often often people will experience it earlier, of course, but inevitably people will have to get through some life crises. And then the question is, um, how do you do that? And especially when there's so many other maybe problem areas in one's life and it's trying to to understand the totality of that and how to kind of come to grips with it and of course there's each of these things have to be done in an individual way because each of us are different in the ways we respond to stress and how we deal with stress and all our coping mechanisms and of course our, our particular situations uh, relationships and and living conditions and and uh, you know work situations so so everything has to be done individual i think a lot of people know what they need to do, and they just they they can't do it. So a little about the steps is just trying to put a framework around something to start working on to kind of work oneself out of a life, a difficult life situation. Um, I I can just maybe add. Both Gen, uh, Dr. Lev and I uh, work with very very serious uh, mental disorders, people, young people, for example, that have uh, serious psychosis or schizophrenia, uh, and we're. we're through our experience working with these very difficult cases, we kind of, we, we, you know, we see that well these, these people in these difficult life situations are just like all of us. Um, and some are in more control and less control. They still need to get some of the same types of uh, framework to be able to get out of that situation. And of course, our job is to get these people, no matter what has happened to them, and no matter what their situation, back to school, back to work, Back to a good social, fun life, um, and 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 then you know, back to wellness. And how do we do that? And then we just see that as a continuum. And try to help people wherever they are in that in that continuum. You know, from where they are, work their way out of a difficult situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to make light of it, but since we got so much out of the book, are we to imply that we have some sort of psychosis or long that going on inside our heads that we found it so helpful? Should we be worried? No,
1: no. But honestly, the way that you have have formulated it, I think in a lot of cases when you're at in that situation, like you're spiraling or you just you just can't move, you can't get off the floor, you can't propel yourself to do something. And mm-hmm. you made it so simple so simple. And then you backed it up. So that was really refreshing.
0: So it's, it's interesting because Lisa and I have both been through, am I allowed to talk about this? Cause I'm going to anyway, the, the, D, the D word Lisa and I have both been through some pretty traumatic divorces <laughs> in our respective time. Are there
1: any good ones?
0: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but in our respective timetables of life, we've both went before we met each other through some pretty traumatic divorces. And, and I, one of the things I r- I really loved about your book, there's a lot of things, but, Um, you heard me talking about it perhaps in the intro is that our bodies can't distinguish between what types of stress it's either whether it's a bear or whether it's a um, running for our lives or drowning or divorce we sort of just have this these initiatives that kick in from our bodies and it's like come hell or high water it's going to either do the black or it's going to do white It, it do you have from a from a biological or evolutionary perspective, why do you suspect that our bodies, as insanely proficient as they are, that we haven't somehow evolved to be able to differentiate that and delineate the types of responses that our stress, our cortisol, our neurological mm. systems um, put in place?
2: Right. It's 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 an interesting question because. Um, the, what we know from from this from this development from a developmental perspective it's that it's that that quick response that quick reaction that's the one that's that's kind of uh the one that's been 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 driving our reactions to crisis situations right and it's and it's the evolutionary kind of survival instinct and it's interesting that that uh, reactive mode of our bodies is is so kind of ingrained and and really more or less universal and and relaxing it or reversing it is much, much more difficult, right? It takes much more time. So whatever is happening in that reactive state, in that just responding state, um, can also cause a lot of complications and more difficulties. So just really learning how to kind of deal with that and try to tackle that is, is, is important for us all, I think, and, and important for also, um, I mean, even even working with children, trying to teach them how to regulate, right? Part of that self-regulation process and think through things and try to try to calm calm oneself down before reacting is 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 part of what we try to teach all our kids. And then and and some are more effective, and some are more uh, able to learn that than others, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Can we talk about the the seriousness of of not being able to deal with things? I think there's a a lot of situations in my life that I'm like whether it's a doctor's appointment or taxes or whatever, you just like hope it'll go away. Right. But you know, when, when stress kind of hits, like I'm always telling Devo, I can always feel it like right here on this shoulder and this, and you can feel it in your body. So what, what are some of the um, detrimental or negative effects of of just ignoring these, these situations Mm. or these triggers in our lives that we're, we're not dealing with?
2: Well, we know, we know a lot about the, the kind of the stress response and how, um, Although it's necessary and important, and 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 can save us in a lot of situations, right? Just to get make us aware of things we need to deal with. Um, if we don't deal with it, and and depending on how we cope with it, if we're if we're coping with it in, a, in an effective way and able to kind of calm our bodies, that's a positive thing. But if we're just continuing continuously activated and just ignore it, or even worse, maybe find avoidance strategies. For example, like taking alcohol or or you know, working too much or things of that nature and just avoiding it and continually being activated, that that has a very negative and, you know, detrimental effect on our brain processes. Um, you can, um, you know, kind of equivalent is if you're you're exercising your muscles and you're exercising all the time and never taking a break, right? It's, it's, it's good to exercise them once in a while and on a regular schedule in, in intervals, but doing it all the time is going to then break those muscles down and and it's and it's going to have a very negative effect. So we do we do know a lot about you know stress and the effect of stress and being able to manage that and and deal with it and and also maybe organize one's life so one can avoid um, as much stress as possible and they, then you have more energy to spend that brain energy on on more positive things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you you talk a lot about the totality of things and the compounding effect of of adding injury to. Injury. Uh, there was a, there was one of the pieces you talked about is is that that when people in, endure or they encounter some sort of a stressful situation, a lot of times we actually add more stress to the already stressful situation, in um, ending up just compounding it. And because our bodies react to stress, no matter what it is, stress is stress, it ends up having a debilitating effect on some people. Uh, it it's always kind of struck me as as odd and and. and we work in a, we don't work in a medical field like you, but we help other clients in a capacity of business mode. It comes from branding to social media, that sort of stuff. But a lot of times we're unable to help ourselves. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. We get to this point where we just continue berating and berating our, our injury. You talk about your shoulder mm-hmm. pain and we, we dumb it. We melt, dull it with alcohol or we dull it with TV. <laughs> I'm not saying you That's or say. chocolate in your taste. <laughs> <chocolate. laughs> How, how do people break that, that ongoing repetitious cycle of just self deprecation in that? And I I know we're going to talk about your five tips, but is, is the first part of that just being a little bit more self aware of it, would you think?
2: Definitely, and and I, I could say that Lisa, I'm I'm with you on that chocolate. Chocolate as a good uh, solution to many things, but, um, I, I mean, uh, interesting. Two things that you brought up. One is that it's it's very often, um, and it's naturally with all of us, right? It's to, to be able to see uh, difficulties and challenges in others easier than in our own lives. Um, and it's usually it's just you know we're we're in our own bodies we're looking out, and and it's not always we have that kind of a routine of maybe you know, looking into ourselves or looking at ourselves or thinking through what are we doing because we're, you know, we're busy and on an everyday schedule and we just think we're doing okay and we're making it, uh, you know, making things work. So, having a space to be able to then stop and think through those those everyday routines or those everyday habits or those choices that we're making or the activities that we're deciding to spend time on it's not easy for us to do that in a busy you know everyday situation and very often then it it'll just lead to well sometimes in crisis situations one gets an opportunity then to have to think forced to think through what one is doing on an everyday basis. And I think for many that this whole COVID situation also has provided an opportunity, a very difficult trying opportunity, but a chance to maybe look at, you know, some of the things that you're doing in your everyday life that maybe could be done differently, even things that you're spending time with things, relationships that you're involved with, and just kind of spending a little more time reflecting on the basics. And of course it's 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 easy to say it and difficult to do. And that's why maybe, you know, a little of the idea with the book is that, okay, if you're going to do and go through this process, how do you how do you start it? How do you organize that kind of a reflective process? What are the steps that you need to do to be able to kind of go through what needs to be done and then maybe help on how to put it in Motion right to get and make those changes over time, Um, get the motivation, which is often very difficult to 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 make a change because one is used to. It's always easier. We also through a lot of research, you know, that it's easier to do the same thing than to make a change. Uh, Dealing with you know working with people that are that are really severely addicted to 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 drugs, it's it's in, in looking from the outside, you can't understand how can they do that. You can see that they're ruining their lives. And yet, it's easier for them, in a way, just to continue what they're doing than to change it, right? That that creates that that requires a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and very often help to do that as well. So it's easier just to continue on what we're doing, and and and. But sometimes it's good to just somehow make a stop and take a stop, hopefully before one gets into a real crisis situation, and then make those changes to try to help help. You know, make make life a little more pleasant, a little more uh, enjoyable and less stressful mm-hmm.
1: well, this this covid and everything else leading up to it and everything after this, you know we we had a guest on that talked specifically about this too, saying that you know crisis is the catalyst for change, isn't it? So mm-hmm. a lot of us we just don't we we putter along as long as we can without really making that change until we're forced to, which is unfortunate. But, Uh, The tips that you've got in your, in your book too, I love how you have explained, like you hear a lot of things and people talk about being mindful and all of that. And it's just the, the, the lingo that everybody likes using, but you've explained why these things that you go into detail, why they make a difference, why you're supposed to be doing it. The purpose behind that, which is really insightful.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think uh, well now we're going a little into what you know the book is about, but it's that 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 step is one of the steps that really the kind of the take take home message there is take care of yourself, right? And for each of us, taking care of ourselves means something a little different. I think some for some maybe it's mindfulness, for some it's maybe meditation, for some it's it's watching some hilarious comedian or program, right? Just getting just laughing like crazy. Um, there's and or or maybe having like a wonderful dinner with some you know with with one's family or with a special other person or um, so it's really individual um, those aspects but it's but it's that awareness of taking care of yourself and that's important and it's important to take care of yourself uh, even even maybe before before taking care of others because if you don't if you aren't taking care of yourself then then you really won't won't be able to, to to take care of others in a good way I think. Mm-hmm. Because then you're out, out of balance.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with that. You, you you talked a little bit about everything starting with mindset. And it's funny because we live in this, and I hate using the word awakened, but there's a there's there is an awakening going on across the planet. And, and a lot of it centers around mindfulness and mindset and meditation and self self-awareness and introspection and all those sorts of things. But one of the things I struggle with through that, um, is, is that there's a lot of times it's just rhetoric to me and there's not much of an action plan behind it. For example, it's, it, we all know that it's, it's largely hugely beneficial for us to meditate, but how many people actually have made it a habitual that every morning they get up and they just spend 10 minutes by themselves or five minutes, whatever it is, and just sort of Sit with their own silence, right? It's almost it, there's very few people that can actually do it, in, in, in at least in my circle, and I know you, you and I have kind of mm. you and I have tried to it's make scary it scary.
1: Being alone with your thoughts sometimes. Yeah,
0: but but what I love about your book is that you you've put together this action plan, if you will, this five step model that begins with sort of the self awareness model. It's the, uh, analyzing the overview of the situation and what does this what does this problem actually mean to you, and then making a list, if you will, of focusing on things that you can control. And I wanna hear you talk about those five steps, but I think the book really resonated with me for that reason, is that you're not just talking about it and telling us what to do, which I find a lot of self-help books are, you're actually giving us an action plan to follow. So a little bit about the five steps, if you will, and and some of the things that we can do with this action plan to implement into our lives right now, right today.
2: Right, Um, right, well, I could maybe pick up on that that one point. That's an interesting point you said about you know about meditation and mindfulness and and there's a lot of lot of focus on that. I mean, for me, for me, it and um, and Dr. Love, we talk about it's it this idea is just really being present in the moment. And back to this idea of of that we're all busy, 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 busy all the time, right? So either our thoughts are looking to the future or looking in the past, and and in some ways you can think of even like anxiety as a fear of the future, and and for some or many depression is is a fear of the past. So looking forward or looking back is can be very can be very um, right. You're not you're not really with yourself. You're not present at the moment. So so you know doing activities such as as meditation helps you get into the into the moment, but there's other things that one can do. One can one one can take photo- photographs. One can be out and notice things in nature, if notice things in in well even in, inside your house, uh, becoming aware of things and and the way things you know work together, fit together. So there's a lot of different types of strategies that can be used to get um, in the moment or in the present moment. Rather than maybe going through something that's that's maybe a little more more um, involving, such as meditation. Um, although people that are doing meditation are also often, um, you know, reporting that that's a very good. Good relaxation technique, and it's also allow- allowing them to kind of think and, and think through their lives and where they are in their lives. Um, but if I wanted, if I was going to say something about the steps, was there should I should I kind of go through them, or was there something, uh, Lisa and, and Devo, I should I should focus on there?
1: I I just I just want to what you just said about everybody being busy. Oh my gosh, mm. like, you are so absolutely right, <laughs> and everybody thinks that they're the busiest person in the world, but literally everybody is whether they work inside the home or outside of the home and everybody has that mindset that oh next week I'm just going to get through this and next week everything will be smooth and I'll be caught up and it never happens mm-hmm. like you do you do need to take care of yourself and take these steps into your mm-hmm. mind so that you can make those adjustments mm-hmm. because it's never yeah. going to slow down it's never going to yeah.
0: Well, yeah. to answer your question, let's follow the chronology of your book a little bit before okay. we get to those five steps, because there, were, there was the analogy that you both dropped in the early outset, you used an ambulatory model, and you and your body having sort of the 911 phone call. I love that the way that you explain that. Could you just on a high level explain neurologically that ambulatory model that you guys were referencing in the book so that people can sort of understand when we encounter stress, this is what happens
2: right, um well, I think I think um, uh, it's, we use different different kinds of examples, but if you can think of something quite dramatic happening, um, then the natural response is is an awareness of of that something dramatic has happened and and there's um an awareness of that it's threatening and that there's um, something that you know there's some reaction that's needed or you're, you're not even thinking through this you're just reacting I think one of the examples is is uh, as a kind of a silly example but if you if you had an older brother uh, hide behind the uh, the trash can or ha- hide behind behind the trash can at night when you go out to take the take the trash out and jumps behind you know the the dumpster and scares the living daylights out of you that I mean that's creating a response right your whole body is activated what's going on is it a bear or is it, is it something else or is it, you know, is it my brother? So the body naturally just kind of goes into uh, the 911 alert status. Your eyes are, are, you know, opening up and the blood's rushing to all your inner organs to try to save yourself and try to kind of conserve energy. Um, and your brain is going a thousand seconds a minute, you know, thinking, well, what, wh- what, what is my situation? Should I, again, fight or should I run away? Is there a way to, to get away? So all of these processes are happening just within a few seconds, and then cortisol is coursing through your body. So everything's again very, very tense and very ready to to react. Um, and then, of course, if you're able then to uh, understand in that example that oh, this is my brother, right? Um, then then you're able to then relax and it's going to take a while still your body you are still maybe be shaking the rest of the evening because it takes a while for your body to kind of deactivate so there's something with the we call it the autonomic nervous system you have a, a sympathetic nervous system that kind of jumps into action there's there's sensors through your whole body that sets you in motion and sets your body in the preparedness mode when the crisis happens or when something dramatic or something scary or threatening happens and then it's that opposite uh, system of the parasympathetic system that has to then bring that down and quiet you down so that you're relaxed. Um, and for some, that that just never really happens. And again, uh, a lot of that hap- has to do with too. What are the other types of stressors in your life, right? So really, in in what, what we do talk about is that one of the first steps before even starting to work on on you know trying to get control of. Of, of the stress in your life is just mapping out, well, what are the stressors? Because very often um, there's maybe one thing that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back or something dramatic, very dramatic that happened. For example, there's a, you know, a, a cancer diagnosis or something something else dramatic happening. But you might then find when you look at your life as a whole that there's quite a lot of stressors there that need to be dealt with. For example, problems in a relationship, problems at work, economic problems, things having to do with uh, other issues that might be complicating and that are also very stressful. So part of that first step is just trying to find out, well, what are all the stressors that are kind of going working together to create a very difficult situation in my life? And then after that's kind of mapped out or a- actually written down, then you can maybe, then then one can think about, well, what are the ones that are really um, the the most difficult ones that that um, that are creating a lot of stress in my life and then and then trying to first starting to get a grip with that trying to figure out how is that going to be dealt with just really identifying it and then also understanding which is the first step understanding why is it that i react so much to that right in some types of relationships in a breakup some people will react very strongly and maybe they're feeling a, a feel a sense of abandonment and maybe they have that feeling of abandonment from childhood. So understanding why they react very, very sharply in a relationship or very negatively in a relationship is part of that first step that we call getting a grip and just kind of understanding what's the stressor and why am I reacting so dramatically or so negatively to it. Just understanding is part of that first step. And then if we go on to the second step, just summarizing here really quickly the second step has to do with then uh, thinking through well what is it what can i do something about and what can't i do something about and and for the things that i can't do something about what can i do with that right so um i think a lot of people are very stressed about so many pro so many issues in their lives that they have no control over right if they get if they get a cancer diagnosis it's not something you can directly control right you have to get treatment for that, you have to have faith in in the doctors that they're doing the right kind of treatment, working with them to do what you need to do. But you have control of so much else in your life. So even if for people getting a terminal cancer, a very serious cancer diagnosis, still there's so much else in their life that they have control over and they can put, you know, their 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 mind to to work with that and making something, something worthwhile out of that. Um, uh, me, if
0: you if you don't yeah. mind, can I stop there for a second? Because I want to yeah. I wanna go back to the, the the first part of it. You talked about a basal example of somebody jumping yep. out, your brother jumping out and scaring you. That's funny you say that because when I first met Lisa, she used to jump out and scare me in her house. <laughs> and it's a good thing I didn't club you to death like a saber-toothed <laughs> tiger. <laughs> because I only know how to respond one way, and I like a saber-toothed tiger attacking me. I'm just my clubbing you. My
1: kids always did that to me, so I was just sharing sure the love. But,
0: but all joking aside, so I want to go back to that initial reaction. Lisa jumps mm. out and frightens me. I don't club her to death because my it's my pituitary gland. That's that That's the one that sort of controls all that. Flight or flight? Is that correct? Did I read that properly?
2: Well, yeah. There's there's a lot of things that are. You have amygdala. You have a lot of a lot of structures in the brain that are then that are very sensitive to reaction to 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 to, to something threatening. Um, but I would just say, in more general, I would say it's this it's this uh, your your autonomic uh, nervous system that that's kind of the one that's uh, after the brain has uh, been become aware that there's a threat. Then they set uh, in motion a process to react to it and prepare for for something really dangerous or very difficult, yeah. Okay, that's
1: that's why you wet your pants every time. that's
0: right. So so I I wet my pants, I don't club you to death, I have this this reaction to it, and then my next step of the situation, and so our body is autonomically doing all this, and in order to calm that down, the way I understood it is that, and we're gonna talk about these five steps in a second, those five steps better enables, enable us to, is it tap into our parasympathetic because we want that to sort of calm itself down, right? And your five, yeah. so there's the sympathetic and there's, there's the parasympathetic and the parasympathetic is sort of the autonomous way our body responds, correct? Is that, am I saying that correctly?
2: well i would say i would say both of those uh, yeah now we're getting into the kind of into the the nitty-gritty of the biology of it right but it, i would you say the the autonomic the autonomic system is it's it's automatically activated and it's a little more complicated in the way that i'm describing it but yeah there's there's one system of nerves throughout your whole body that make the system uh, activate and then it's the other system, the other the other side which kind of uh, relaxes the system. So you have those opposing systems in your body, and it's it, it, essentially it's automatically uh, triggered, uh, and that's that's kind of the survival because it needs to be done quite quickly. Um, but you can then learn to kind of control it uh, and and again uh, kind of calm it down. So there's techniques to do that.
0: It's okay if you dumb it down a little bit. I think you're the only <laughs> neuroclinical PhD psychoanalysis psychologist on the That's show. So. Numerous,
2: <laughs>
1: uh, widely published, yeah.
0: So, so in that first, so in, uh, now I want to get back to your five step model. Sorry, I'm mm. with this. Yeah. So you have your body goes through what you call the overview of the situation. We sort of make you you're asking us to make an assessment of the situation. So we have this, this perceived threat. And instead of just spiraling into chaos and letting our bodies just take over and dump, and just completely control it, you're asking us to sort of step back, understand the situation, make an assessment of it, and and better understand what the meaning of this threat is to us personally, right? That's sort of number one.
2: Yeah, and and maybe not only that one threat, but maybe other stressors as well, right? Mm-hmm. There may be several things that are causing causing a a large amount of stress that are just adding, 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 adding uh, up to a large amount of stress in general. And very often in these very kind of dramatic uh, crisis situations, right, you just kind of get knocked out. You're not even able to think really properly. You're just reacting. And that means that you're usually kind of just giving control over the situation to someone else or to to someone else that's maybe, could be more aggressive. It could be more uh, making life complicated, making things, life decisions for you in a way. So it's trying to, it's trying to get, gain control over the situation by thinking through it. Um, and just, uh, getting a better overview of the situation.
0: Okay. And then the second, that's the piece mm-hmm. of, yeah, that's great. And then the mm-hmm. second piece of it is focusing on what we can actually control. What's actually mm-hmm. in our own bandwidth to
2: manage on our own right now. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And again, that depends, it depends on, you know, how, how, well the, the 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 intensity or the difficulty of the crisis situation because in in some cases if you're completely um just uh kind of very much affected by the situation maybe the only things that you really have control over are your daily routines maybe you know what you're eating on a regular basis uh you know when you're getting sleep you know how sleep important sleep is and 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 getting those kinds of routines in order those are things that um not that not that People always have control over whether they get to sleep or fall asleep or not. But at least trying to do the things they're able to work with to try to get some feeling of control over their life, their lives, and 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 starting there. And then, of course, there's more, 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 more advanced things that they can do also in in terms of of, of control. If there's if is a, a very serious, um, let's say, a serious. Breakup and there's lawyers involved, right? There might be um, something that you need to to do in order to kind of get to get help. You can't maybe do that yourself, so you need to. That's something you don't have directly control over, but you can get. Um, you can hire a lawyer who can help you do that that part of of the work so it's just getting an idea over all the different issues that need to be dealt with and then going through them each one of them and see well what can i do to to help with this and if there's if if i can't if i can't do it if i don't have control over it then i'll get some help or someone else to help me to, to do it
0: so I can't control that you're going to jump out and be a jerk and scare me, but no. I can control that I carry a really big club no. knowing that you're going to get macked. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so then the number 3 is I didn't really quite understand this one which was sort of your motivation around solving the problem. Can you explain that a little bit more?
2: Well, yeah, that's it's I think I think very often I think if you talk to to a lot of people who are in these types of situations, they they will they will they will understand what they should do, but then they can't do it, right? So they maybe have an idea, oh, I need to, uh, let's say if there's, I, we, I just had a person on a course just a few weeks ago who was uh, a person who was uh, split between two different uh, relationships and, and, and she was describing that she needed to make a decision between them, but she just couldn't make a decision, right? So then the question is, how do you go about making that decision because it's a stressful situation for her. Um, she wants to have some, idea of the way forward but she's she's not able to make that decision. So how how does she do that? Well one thing is then going through the alternatives. Uh, Dr. Love has kind of a, a form form there. She often says that that, that you should do the thing uh, that it, you should let's see how does she 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 expresses it that you you need to love one thing more than you hate the rest, right? That that if you can kind of detail that what you really hate and then, what is it that you uh, love to do, or what is what what is the best thing out of those alternatives? Then that's something that you can use to try to help you motivate to go towards that goal, or try to resolve that situation by choosing that. Um, so that's that. We we try to work to try to, to try to get an inner motivation for that, because if you just have an, uh kind of an exterior motivation of of, of something. It's not as powerful as really having an inner motivation of what you really want to to achieve or what you really want to make happen or what you really want to uh, work to try to get uh, uh, as part of your life going forward.
0: So can we use a real world example?
2: So we've well,
1: about- I love the ideation of this of it being an action plan though yeah. because so many times mm-hmm. we're frozen. And, and, and a mm-hmm. decade could, could go by that. You're just like, I hate my job or whatever, but mm-hmm. what else is out there? And you stay stagnant in that space for so long. Like all of these things that you're talking about this crisis that comes up, there's so many crises that come up through our life. It's not just mm-hmm. usually, you know, and we get, as we learn and we grow and we experience things, you know, we're able to handle things that are a little bit bigger, but most of the time we're just, you know, ignoring a lot of those things that are adding right. up to yeah. it. Yeah,
2: absolutely. and and I can add in part of part of that step, that one is is um, um, kind of making a making a, uh, an evaluation of what are the things that are that are easier to do. Right. And those are often things that you could at least start with. And what are the things that are more difficult to do so that you that you kind of don't start on those the most difficult things, the most complicated things, the 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 very difficult things to to kind of resolve, but start on the simpler things, the more straightforward, concrete things. Starting doing that, that'll give you confidence, self confidence to go on to the other ones uh, in time. So there's there's also a progression there that's that's, that's quite important to follow.
0: So the last two steps are, are the reflection piece of it and tapping into the pre-crisis mode. But before you answer those two, I, I'd like to use a real-world example just so I mm. can have it broken down. Are, so, you,
1: are you putting me on the spot? No, I'm not. <laughs> so,
0: let's just pretend we have a theoretical subject that's gone through a a, 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 a breakup um, and, mm. and they're, they're crushed. It, it's, it's sort of exponentially taken over their lives. So... Mm. The first thing that you would advise them to do is to kind of get an overview of the situation, understand what's what about it. it, it does that mm-hmm. does that mean sort of making a list about the relationship? What I liked about the relationship, what I don't like about the relationship, what are my options here? Yada yada yada. What what does that mean in that scenario?
2: Well, in in the first the in the first step would be really kind of analyzing the situation and trying to understand why. Um, one is so crushed in that situation, right? Of course, of course, that that's that's very common. That we all are. Uh, if if you're in deeply in love with somebody, everybody will be crushed. But of course, some people will be even more uh, devastated than others. And if, if it's a situation where um, you're so out of uh, your element that you're not able to function as you did before, then then it's important to kind of understand. Well, why is it that um, one? has those feelings does it have to do with the way that that one um usually there's there's issues in in one's background that says something about that maybe one is used to people being very devoted and that is just not not you know not not can't even envision that somebody would break up or something that there's that there's a kind of almost a, a that type of a feeling uh, about relationships or or maybe there's some other experiences or maybe there's some kind of a dependency issue on that other person that is why that you're feeling so so devastated. So understanding that is really the first step, and then the second one would be you know what is it you you can control. For many people who are crushed and devastated in a relationship, there there there's still this which is also natural, but there's this hope that that maybe the other person will change their mind right and 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 something something will they'll come back or something will happen and 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 in that situation um, it's important kind of to understand that you don't control how the other person feels right there you're, you're two different people you can only kind of have some control over your own feelings your own emotions your own reactions and you can't decide or control someone else. And that's often an important and very difficult step because people want to try to do everything to get that person back in their lives again. Um, and and that's, that's going to be a very stressful situation to try to get somebody to do something that they are not motivated to do or don't want to do right so in that situation it's important that you don't lose sight of what's important is to, to focus on what you have control over and what you have control over will be the things that you're doing on an everyday basis sort and of really a,
0: sort of a detachment from outcome sort of paradigm
2: right right and not necessarily that that's that, that you know that that you can't, that there's, it's over forever. That's not, it's not, you know, making a decision about that, but it's just that that is not something that you can determine or have really control over. So Mm -hmm. spend your energy and your focus on what you have control over. And that is your, your own self your own feelings, your own daily activities, routines, maybe other people in your life, friends, maybe family, children, if you have children, these kinds of things are important to have to, to spend time on and energy because those are something that you can really kind of, you know, use a lot of positive energy to, to help, uh, to help uh, um, yeah, make a difference in, in, in those things that you do have control over.
0: So back to the the breakup. So mm-hmm. then we've gone through yeah. one and two, and then h- yeah. how would you address the breakup in the motivation of solving the problem? How, how does number three come into play for that?
2: Mm. Well, of course, it, it, this is going to have to. It's going to have to um, um, really depend on the individual situation because every situation will be different. But in that in that third step, um, uh, there's there's going to be a focus on let's say, for example, uh, what is it that you can specifically do uh and maybe quite a lot of things you'll have to do quite quick right deciding where to live let's say mm-hmm. if it's a breakup involving you know a house or an apartment or something that that so there's a question about that how is that going to be dealt with how is how if there's children involved how how are the how are the 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 details around the children both, both the living situation and maybe visitation and all that how is that going to be organized is that something one can do on one's own or is it something that you need to bring in someone else to help uh, organize, right? Um, and, and then again, how, how um, and of course the financial situation is often quite chaotic after a breakup. So how is that going to be dealt with? So again, it's putting up um, and organizing these things in a, in a kind of in a systematic way to try to be able to do things and try to balance things out and try to get control over things and put in motion things that need to be done.
1: It doesn't involve throwing out your ex partner's stuff or setting anything on fire. Then <laughs> well,
2: we should should we know that we're not
0: actually talking about us. No, no. I know my mom wanted
1: to cut off all my dad's pant legs because he had expensive pants, and she wanted to just make them all into shorts. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you, know? you know what? I, I, I want to get to the last two points, but I love I love what you're going with this, and and it's kind of interesting because. It's sort of, you always say this all the time start by starting. But what I'm hearing you say, and what I heard you both say throughout the book, is you're sort of giving us these actionable steps. And it's almost like it's, I don't want to say it's distracting us from the problem itself, but it's giving us a purpose and how to address the problem by giving us sort of confidence building maybe it's actionable steps, maybe it's distraction, but it's giving us activities to
1: self-worth.
0: Yeah. It's giving, that's exactly where I was going. And I wrote this intrinsic self-awareness inventory that Mm -hmm. allows us to go through this process and, and, in so doing, as we're part of the process, we're actually helping therapeutically solve some of our own problem that we had in the first place, right? That's yeah. sort of what I'm seeing happening here.
2: Really well well described. And, and if you think about it, what is it that happens in a crisis situation if we just take an idea about your attention? Where does your attention go in a crisis, right? It's often focused on the threat, and very, very intensely, right? And and you're often just, you know, you can imagine just maybe not even being able to react. And especially if it's unfamiliar territory, right? It's difficult to really know where to focus. So the steps are a way of trying to help you grab or take your focus, take your uh, the the attention span onto things that are more smoothing, that are more something that are more productive, something that are more relaxing. If you think of the 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 brother who just got scared really really like crazy you know the dumpster it's like how how to get that attention from you know was it is it something that's going to kill me to something that. I can then do something about when I see it's my brother, then I can, I can maybe go to my parents and, and have them, you know, uh, do something about the situation. Beat um, the shit least, out of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But again, that, that where wasn't is that part of your five steps? Was <laughs> it? No, I don't I don't think that was that what part of that step. But, <laughs> <laughs> but again, it was it was that idea of, you know, getting your getting control of your focus and then doing something productive with it and feeling like you're you're doing something meaningful. On, on an everyday basis is important.
0: That, that's really funny because true story. Uh, uh, um, my brother, when I was younger, I had to, he would come home from college and he, he would have to stay in my room with me. And I absolutely hated it because he and I didn't really ever get along, but he was the loudest uh, snorer ever. And one night while he was sleeping, I picked up something that was at my bedside and I fired it at him and I hit him square in the nose, caused him nose to bleed. And that's exactly what he did. He did not have any self-awareness. He did not make an overview of the situation. Nor did he focus on what he can control. He got up and beat the living shit out of me right there in my bed. So, yeah. I will never throw a shoe at him ever again.
2: No, no. no. Yeah. So, um, I'm well, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So the, the last two pieces of this, and I want to go back mm. to the relationship, the breakup, are mm. reflection and tapping into the pre-crisis. And there was a point that you, that you made in there. The sum of everything is greater than one single point. So it's sort of bringing all of that together, right? Those, that that personal inventory, that assessment that you've made, you've reflected on your course of action, your strategy, right? And now you're kind of tapping into that pre-crisis mode of what it did look like versus what it looks like now. And here's how I'm going to respond, right?
2: Yeah, and and of course that well that that fourth step is a lot about uh, this idea of, of self-care, um and and taking care of yourself and doing something for yourself. I mean, I think a lot of people also in a crisis situation they're so concerned. If they have kids, they're concerned about their kids. They're concerned about family members. They're concerned about other people. Um, and even even if you have a partner who's got a terminal cancer diagnosis, you're concerned about that 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 other person. But but really, it's also important that you don't forget. You need to take care of yourself in that whole situation and i I give that example of of when you're on a plane and you're flying over any body of water they always have that routine where they kind of say in case of an emergency um then you know these things these these air oxygen masks will fall down and then they're always you know really particular to say that well take it on yourself first and in that way you're able to help others right if you just go start helping others right away you're going to run out of oxygen and you're not going to be very useful so there's that idea that that and and you know many people especially people that are that are very helpful and very you know thoughtful and very um, empathetic they they're not good at taking care of themselves in that situation and that's important right eating right training exercising having social all these kinds of elements that are important for functioning are important to remember in that crisis situation so i think a lot of these steps they're understandable in, in its in you know in isolation but part of the 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 idea is is putting them in five steps that you have to follow one after another to get that 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 you know that that symp- the, the parasympathetic system just relaxed you know resting and quiet and so you're better able to then focus and concentrate and use your resources to make good decisions
0: mm-hmm. i love it it's fantastic Spe- mm-hmm. speaking of your example of uh, the oxygen masks on airplanes it's funny because i've seen footage i'm not being facetious here i've seen footage of airlines that have had to make emergency landings and you have people that disembark on the the air raft, but nobody's ever actually Hmm. has a mask on their face. Do those things actually work? (laughs) Hmm. Just a little sidebar question. I'm just curious. (laughs) Well, I don't know. (laughs) 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 I think think those might be absolutely (laughs) worthless. um, We're running out of time. And this is a conversation I wish you lived closer because I would love to talk about this stuff for hours with you. But one of the things you talked about, and I've heard this talked about in other scenarios and other books, is this internal locus. Of control, or the locus of control—this internal versus external—and and how we relate to to crisis, or how we relate to stress, and our body's mm. internal locus of control. Can you speak around that a little bit? Because I find that ab I, I reread that part three and four times. I found it extremely fascinating.
2: Yeah. Well, in general, that 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 whole theory is a, uh, saying that that kind of grouping people into little kind of different groups you have some people who have an external locus of control and the idea there is that they feel that they don't have really that much um decision making power over what happens to them right anything that happens is always some some something else or somebody else's fault right so they're they're just describing that or they're always blaming others or other things or events for their situation um and in an in internal locus of control um is is you know people having a little more uh, feeling that that they are responsible for themselves and their own you know situation and their own future and part of the idea in, in that theoretical framework is then trying to boost people's feeling of having an internal locus of control so that they can take better charge of their lives and their situation and not feel like they're just you know just just something bobbing up on the ocean that's just uh, um not not being able to kind of control what's happening to them and just feeling like uh something that's uh, that's being you know used and 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 a, and a, and a, um kind of a victim and not somebody that really has um the 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 ability to take to take their own lives in 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 control and make a decision about what they want to do about it. So a little of the so that's that's a little that's a little kind of a not a person. It's kind of a personality trait. Some will say that people naturally have maybe a different way of thinking about um, or explaining things that happen to them being you know either an external locus of control, or internal locus of control, but a little the uh, part of the key with the steps, the five steps is that you're then able to then build up your own internal locus of control so that you're steering and you're managing and you're deciding what you're going to do and not and not just kind of giving up and hoping things hoping for the best, right? And postponing things like you were like like you mentioned earlier that some people have a tendency just to, uh, to avoid or postpone or you know delay. And it's that, well, you're able to then make it, make a decision and control these things in your life yourself. And, and this is the way you can start doing it. One, two, three, four, five. And of course the the fifth step, which I haven't mentioned is, is this idea of, of, of what you're deciding really what you want to hold on to and what you want to let go of. I talk mm-hmm. a lot about for example, personality, well, there's a lot of things that, that that are into that framework, but one of the things is is thinking about your own personality characteristics. We all have different personality characteristics and thinking about what are, what are the personality characteristics in ourselves that we can use to help us in this situation, right? Maybe if we're very extroverted or very social, maybe that's something that could help us in this crisis situation. Um, if we're uh, very um uh, if we're if we're very critical or very you know maybe that's positive in another context but maybe that's something that one needs to kind of tone down and let go of and not and not prioritize as much that characteristic so it's really doing a kind of a personal inventory on one's own strengths and weaknesses um and thinking through that some people are maybe more impulsive and some people are are maybe overthinkers right think through these things that are part of your setup your mindset and what is it that you can bring out to help you in your situation, and what are things that you can maybe tone down, and um, and also in general, what are the things that you can maybe let go of and not and not you know not 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 feel so bad about. That's that's also really difficult difficult thing in in a crisis situation because very mm-hmm. often there's very important things and valuable things that we need to just let go of. Mm-hmm.
1: So much there. W- this, w- this really should be required reading for all young mm-hmm. adults. We should have been educated with this when we we're young mm-hmm. enough to implement mm-hmm. it and to be able to have that strategy when situations come up and be self aware, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's
0: a great, that's a really good point. And, and I actually wrote a note. I,
1: I'm not using my algebra, my calculus, my functions. <laughs> I'm not using any mm-hmm. of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting point, Lise, because in the beginning of the book, I don't know if it was you or Dr. Love that was talking about how conventional medicine seems to be, and I this was a word I used in my notes that I wrote down, it seems to be more linear, more reactive, as opposed to teaching us proactively how to manage our emotions, how to proactively learn habitual things like meditation and mindset values and all that sort of stuff. Why is yeah. it that medicine is, and, and it's really, again, depending on where you stand around corona and holistic health versus allopathic health versus functional medicine, mm-hmm. There seems to be a huge, a huge, how do I say this, spotlight on the linear focus of, of medicine in dealing with mm. things in a reactive pharmaceutical approach as opposed mm. to teaching us, like you just said, how to be, live healthier lives, how to eat healthier, how to exercise, You know all mm. those sorts of things. Why is medicine that way? What's the point of it if having medicine, if it just constantly keeps us sick?
2: Hmm. well it's an important point and I think I think we're, dr Love and I have talked quite a lot about that and there's and of course there's different different approaches um but but there is this tendency for for um to have a focus very a, a very small very kind of narrow focus on for example symptoms um and in somatic or in medical practices often if you have an infection then you can have a you know medicine for that to, to to do that there's it's like pinpointing and 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 my my impression is that very often medical doctors have very little time to hear your whole story and to understand the whole uh context around let's say more emotional issues or difficulties or life life mm-hmm. issues so there there's a tradition of just you know, doing these kind of quick fixes or these pinpoint fixes that works in some cases. But of course, life is complicated and psychology and our own psychology and, and our life choices are difficult and it takes a more holistic or a, a wider approach. There are more factors that need to be addressed. And um, especially if, if you know, one is leading a life that's very chaotic, one is often very vulnerable to to unexpected situations that come up. And then if you're, off balance, right? Just as in any sport, if you're on balance off, you know, just on the edge and off balance and something kind of unexpected happens, then you're going to fall down. Mm-hmm. So how can we kind of get a little better, better stance or a better uh, everyday f- functioning, as you were saying, with what we're eating, how we're thinking, all the social context that we have um, and and how we're living our lives is, is an important you know, an important background to, be, to make us less sensitive to, to, you know, the the dramatic things that life will throw at us at any one time.
0: Yeah. I, I love the approach that both of you have taken. And, and you talked about that in terms of, of the concept of symptoms versus diagnosis. And that's sort of the the way you, you answered that more eloquently than I yeah, did. But but
1: it's, he's, he's making it very foundational. Yeah. Mm. It's,
0: it's fantastic. All right. So we're running out of time. Are there right. Any last points you want to jump in on this?
1: No, I think you said it all. Okay,
0: okay. So doctor, this has been brilliant. I didn't even get to do half of the questions that I wanted to answer. But if people want to find more about you, I'm going to put this up on the screen right now. They can find you at www.lovehovic.com. That's in, in for short for Dr. Love, Dr. Hovic. Um, and is there any other channels that you would like to call to light for people to get more information, how they can get your book? It's obviously for sale on Audible if you're an Audible subscriber um you can buy the book you sent it to me so thank you for that i really enjoyed yep. it
2: i think it's on well, i think it's on barnes and noble amazon you know it's it's yeah it's just googling it when crisis strikes it's five steps uh there's some other books that, that talk about when crisis strikes about what to say but our book is the one that has the five steps to try to help you get through a crisis a life crisis situation and we have quite a lot of examples of uh, practical examples of people that are experiencing life crises in uh, whether it be chronic illness or family crisis sudden loss trauma or even existential type of problems. So we have a lot of a lot of uh, kind of uh, vignettes, we call them, kind of explanations and how these people have used the steps to help them through their life crisis.
0: It's, it's brilliant. I can see it over your, your left shoulder right there behind you, the book. <laughs> what, is, is there a follow up to this that you and Dr. Love are gonna do or is, ha, has the book been successful for you? Have you gotten a lot of feedback on it?
2: We've had a lot of a lot of a lot of sales. The publishers are really happy. We've had some presentations. What's I've been thinking? What's been fun is we've had some presentations also to to different psychiatrists or medical doctor associations because they're thinking that hey, maybe we can use these five steps in our practice. They're they're used to just giving medicines and sending people out the door, but maybe they can then use these five steps to help people get a better better insight into their life and maybe make some more changes like we were talking about a little. A while ago, so that's kind of been really fun to kind of get that kind of feedback from that community as well. So um, yeah, we're I'm, I'm we're working on we're working I'm going to work on a book that that maybe does things in a little more research. I'm associate professor at a local university here, so I'm I'm going to be writing some more uh with with kind of the evidence-based background for these steps and 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 how how the steps have been kind of proven through different interventions to really work in a in a scientific way um and then maybe we'll get back to another type of another book later i know that uh, dr love is working on one specifically on trauma she's a trauma specialist so she's also we're, we're working on different projects but really really happy to be with you guys and really thank you for uh for spending the time and, and asking so many fun questions and being productive and 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 practical so that's uh, that's really been it's really been great
0: you're, you're welcome and thank you we really appreciate your time and also for rescheduling with us so that was fantastic so you're you're in Norway right now is that correct
2: I am yeah okay, and great. it's uh, yeah so it's it's spring here we've had a really hard hard tough winter it's been cold but now the sun's out. Uh, late at night, early in the morning. So we have longer days and it's getting warmer. So it's going to be a fun time ahead. So I hope uh, everything works out. And I hope uh, we're we're all, we're all, we're a little country and we're really focused and we 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 love America and we love Americans. And we're just, you know, hoping that everything works out. I know it has been some difficult times over there um, with COVID and with a lot of different issues. So we really just hope all the best and, uh, I'm hoping to be able to come and visit. I haven't been able to visit, you know, the the states for for two years now. So I want to be able to come and visit sometime.
0: Well, we're on the East Coast, so if you're ever in this yeah. side of the country, I hope you'll you'll let us know. I would love to meet you in person. It'd be fantastic to uh, shake your hand and 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 applaud you for the brilliant book you put together. So thank
2: you. I'll do you. Th- I'll do that. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I'll shoot you a note after all this is done to sort of explain what happens next, the, the production turnaround, all those good things that, but.
1: Such a okay. pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Super. super right. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Okay. Um, that was a really good conversation. Really, truthfully, uh, really, you know, we have a lot of brilliant again, guests the,
1: on. The, the timing of it and, and, The ease with how he explains what those steps are Mm -hmm. that it should be required reading
0: yeah that was a great point you made i i think um i want to i've actually have truthfully speaking i wasn't just giving him bluster i have reread multiple Mm -hmm. chapters Mm -hmm. over and over because there's so many and i really believe that somebody we both know could really benefit Mm -hmm. from this book Mm -hmm. um and i I wasn't using that example but i thought it was a really good example since it's been hot on our Uh on our press sheet right now Um, my, my biggest takeaway from that is it's kind of interesting because we keep coming back to the same thing over and over again with all of these, how do we say this? Forward thinking medical professionals. And I don't want to say holistic, functional, allopathic, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to get into that political battle, but forward thinking is the best way to put it. That doctors who realize that not one size shoe fits all patients, there isn't one way to to solve everyone's problems. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love the fact that they've put together they've dumbed it down mm-hmm. they've put together an actionable implementation plan that we everyday people can use when we start feeling the pressures of stress whether it's our jobs whether it's our relationships whether it's our parenting whether it's our our entrepreneurial uh, adventures that don't don't go exactly as we want them to or you and i arguing when you haven't realized that i'm always right so it's it's really it's good that we have that sort of uh, that
1: <laughs> to recognize
0: to recognize yeah uh-huh you have any major takeaways you want to drop before we close No, this out? no,
1: I think, I think exactly what you said, you know, to give us the tools that we can start recognizing these things that have kind of been under the surface and we haven't called attention to and okay. that are causing or will, will compound on top of each other and yeah. to be able to handle them in a, in a proficient, efficient, um, self worth type of mm-hmm. way, an actionable plan,
0: I I, I wanted to go back to that one point that he made, and and this is my last note on it. He was talking about how our body reacts to stress in one way and one way mm-hmm. only. It doesn't it doesn't delineate or differentiate whether it's a saber toothed tiger or a breakup with your girlfriend. It just does what it does. Mm-hmm. And at, and at first I thought that doesn't really seem to make very mechanically that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because i'm gonna bludgeon you to death whether you jump out and scare me or you cheat on me and i'm like why would my body do the (laughs) exact same thing to it but in retrospect and hearing him explain it it actually does make sense because we have microseconds in a fight or flight situation we have microseconds to respond right so if it is a saber tooth jumping out not you from behind the refrigerator like my body has seconds to figure out how to respond to this, so it it throws all the blood into one place right then and there, so that I can either run or face and fight because I I don't have time to think. Oh, does she look like? I'm still going <laughs> to jump out yeah. at
1: you, no matter what you explain here. I'm still going to jump out at you.
0: I'm well, just know that if you get bludgeoned to death, it's my fight or flight responding. So <laughs> have you
1: seen these noodle arms? I can protect myself. <laughs> all right,
0: all right. I'm Devo. This has been great. This is mind body business. I'm here with the Scallywag Lisa. We had a brilliant guest on today. If you have not picked up this book or read it, I highly encourage you to do it. It is called When Crisis Strikes, and it's by Dr. Chell Hovick and Dr. Jennifer Love. They co-wrote it together. He's from Norway. He is a... um, He had a long-term clinical psychologist with a couple of PhDs in neuropsychology and a couple of other things. And Dr. Love is a practicing physician um, in more biological medicine, but we didn't have her on the show. So we won't give her any accolades, but that's it. Good show. Good show. All right. See you.